everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your ear pods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume into this next Augmenters episode. Hey, Jimmy. Julie. What's up? Tina. That's what's up. I feel really grateful to be surrounded by so many amazing people from Boston who are also jumbos. I was so excited for this conversation. Tina is a powerhouse, has had incredible diverse experience from all over the globe, an incredible mentor for in corporate, in startups, in Europe, in Latin America. I thought this was such a rich conversation with so many different elements to it that I think a lot of our listeners are going to be able to take with them no matter what environment they're in. What did you think? We haven't really had a lot of international, meaning multiple mentoring experiences that span both the United States and outside of our domestic nation. So this was pretty cool to be able to see both sides of how mentoring can work and that Tina's business is really bridging the gap and bringing high quality work workforce to the U.S. when folks need remote assistance. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about somebody who has gratefully had the experience of living abroad, I loved how she brought together sort of that cultural mentoring, which I think we've heard a little bit before. And then on the professional side, but also on the personal side, the story that really stuck with me, you'll hear a little bit more about it here is how do people from, you know, other countries or other cultures mentor people new in a different culture. So I think what happened to me when I was living in China and how I kind of became like the American mentor for the other families and then her experience bringing the Swedish community together and giving you know folks an opportunity to stay really connected was really meaningful. And I think there's ways that you can use that in all aspects of your life, whether it's moving to a new city like you did moving to Baltimore or folks who are kind of in new, different situations. How it doesn't have to be necessarily always a professional mentor. It can be just somebody who helps you get more situated, get more comfortable. And we had so many overlapping friends. So it wasn't just necessarily folks that help you get comfortable, but it was showing that with mentoring, you can really enrich. Networking is sometimes a term that is used without the depth of a relationship, but it really expands the people who you keep in your mind and care about. And it was pretty cool to see some overlaps in both people we know and also in folks that are heroes. Absolutely. So I would say a couple things. This is an awesome episode, super diverse. You're going to learn a ton in a lot of different spaces. Mentoring is amazing. No matter how many times we talk about it. I'm always just amazed at how these incredible relationships show up. And third, go Jumbos. Triple Jumbo pod. Here we go. Welcome, Tina. We are so excited to have you here on our Augmenters podcast today. How are you doing? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm doing very well. It's an especially good Friday because Last night, I met my first penguin in person. I kid you not, I was at a, an art party 
and there was a penguin there because we were at the zoo and they bring the penguins sometimes and it was incredibly exciting. So Tina, I've heard that you able to bring a whole lot of energy to your business day to day, but I'm just going to tell you, I got penguin energy today. So uh, I'm going to bring it as well. Wonderful. Were Are penguins fun to hang out with? I don't know if I've ever met somebody who's hung out with a penguin. Well, I had to stay like a foot away from the penguin at all times. And this penguin named Winnie was 16 years old and seemed very comfortable. We were told this because if the penguin's eyes uh, blink very slowly, it means the penguin's calm. It's just kind of like a cat when a cat's relaxed, as opposed to when the penguin's like looking around and like blinking a lot, it means it's not comfortable. Mm. So penguin it was a very anxiety. calm penguin. <laughs> it's real and it's not just when back- Batman's near. So. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. Okay, well, Tina... Again, back to you. We're so happy that you're here. We're starting, I'm going to try something a little bit different today. We have found such incredible guests who have so many different stories to tell about their journey and about mentoring, but we just wanted to kick off with a little bit of a different question. So Tina, let's start with what your superpower is. Since we already started talking about Penguin and Batman, what would you say is your superpower, Tina? And then tell us a little bit about yourself. My superpower is being a connector. So I have one of those really strange abilities to listen to people and then weeks later have a completely different conversation and put those dots together and put those people together. And they always come back with a thank you so much. Now I'm waiting for the superpower to evolve into matchmaking. But until now, it's been incredibly helpful in finding startup founders finding other people, people looking for jobs, finding their next boss, and um, of course, finding mentors. So one of these days, I will eventually get invited to a wedding where I didn't put the two together. (laughs) Tina, I cannot wait until I hear from you in like three or four weeks. And you're like, Jimmy, I found another zoo that lets the penguins go to the party. Exactly, where the wild things are. The thing that you did not know you were going to be matchmaking about today. But Tina, that's actually true because we met and you did exactly that. You did. You connected me to a whole bunch of people and sent me a lot of great links and a lot of great ideas and that we've had a chance to stay in touch. So I will be an absolute validator for that superpower that you have as a connector. That is totally true. Outside of your connecting superpowers, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I came to the United States first as a 10-year-old to ski in Vermont and then eventually moved here when I was 14 to go to high school. I am Swedish, grew up in Venezuela and came to the U.S. later. Didn't realize that an Ivy League college is, you know, is really a network. So went to Tufts University and wanted to be a veterinarian. When I changed majors, realized that building out that network and building out the connections was important to me. I have had some of the most fun experiences working in Warsaw in 1989 when it was still communist. I've worked in Barcelona, Spain during the 90s when it was the Olympic Games. And I've worked with Procter & Gamble, which has a nickname of Pack & Go. I've had an amazing set of opportunities. There's a few things that you don't do when you're running around the world like that, but I really, really appreciate all of the opportunities that have come my way and the fact that my family has allowed me to do what was most interesting to me at that moment. Now I'm back in Boston. That's so cool. (laughs) Home of HubSpot. I actually, I'm at 
two buildings away from HubSpot headquarters. So I've had coffee with their very special baristas and their smoothie makers. So very big fan of HubSpot. And the other thing that makes it interesting is when I can, I end up finding roles where I am global in nature. So right now I'm working for a company called Samara. My boss is from Greece. We have people from all over the place. And what we do is match people from Latin America into remote roles in the US. So I get to go back to my roots. I get to have the fun of continuing to meet so many new people and we're matching people with their future careers. I love that. You know, that's such a great point. A lot of our guests that we've had so far have had a very, you know, US North America focus and I've had the opportunity to live in France. I've lived in China. And so I do know that kind of this concept of mentoring does show up quite a bit differently depending upon where you are. So yeah, do you have any kind of a, either sort of a top level or kind of a regional perspective on how mentoring outside of the United States is a bit different than mentoring within the United States? It is. It's very different. In some cases, it's a little bit more similar to an apprenticeship where someone takes you under their wing. They're three, four levels higher than you. It's a little bit coordinated. So I would have our general manager in Stockholm put me in touch with different people as I hit different milestones in my career. And when you work for a company that's Proctor, which is known for its talent management, known for its training, they're constantly looking for if you were partnered with someone who compliments you, you will learn from them in a more natural way than having someone give you the feedback that editing a behavior would be valuable. What I love about the US is that it goes a little bit more organic. It can be people in your function, not in your function, in your business unit, outside of your business unit, men and women. So you end up with like people from a different gender uh, mentoring you and also peer networks. I think peer networks is something that I've only seen in the United States. I really highly value it. I think it kind of started and became very well known with Vistage and the whole paying to be part of a peer network and it's lonely at the top. And then people realizing that it doesn't have to be. I love it. I, especially talking about how it's a little more organic in the US. Did you find that there were certain ways to reach out to people outside of the U.S. that were just strictly different than here in the States? Meaning, like, were there different ways, like different phrases or different terms to say, like, instead of, can we grab coffee? Were there different ways to kind of get your foot in the door and begin the conversation? It is a little bit awkward, right? Like, you don't really know how to ask someone. It's like asking someone to be your friend. It's, it's an awkward conversation and you kind of want it to happen. But what ended up working for me me is having conversations with my boss who I trusted. We were both, my first job in the U.S. was in California. And so we were far away from headquarters. Headquarters was in Cincinnati. And so it became more of a question of who would be good for me to speak to about these kinds of questions and usually associated with the project. But the idea was, and who is friendly, open-minded, would be able to give me more of the lay of the land and not just the technical answer from a finance, accounting, or business perspective. That so more of the lay of the land. Person. I like that. Like what, yeah, what's happening? Like what's what's the climate like here versus something exactly. really specific? And, and what works in this company and not just what works out in our little division where I had one person in finance above me and one general manager, but how is an entire company like Procter & Gamble run? And how is headquarters different from being out in the satellites, which is 
where I was at an acquisition being integrated in and where I had been, where I was in a regional headquarters of Stockholm being the regional headquarters for Denmark, Norway, and Finland and Sweden. So it was good to know how headquarters operates, good to know the balance of power that, that happens there. It's very different from what's going on in a, in a suburb. And I got mentors that were two, three levels above me and still in the finance group. And then when we, when I moved to Cincinnati, eventually I ended up being put on a group that said, let's arrange the mentoring for all of the minorities. And we were three women and one man. And we said, let's turn that around. Let's not make mentoring something that is just a crutch that minorities need because they might not fit in. Minorities was minorities and women. So it was any minority, basically everyone except for a white male. And we said a white male from New York coming to Cincinnati for the first time might just as well need a mentor as someone who is maybe African-American woman who's maybe second generation proctor, has an uncle that works there, potentially went to school and has three of their classmates in the same company. She might not need a mentor formally because she might already have those mentors internally, just built in through her perspective and her experience and who she is. By doing that, we needed a lot more mentors. We ended up recruiting about two thirds of the band three group managers and they all took one band one mentor each. And tea each. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it. I mean, definitely if you're coming from New York, I think there's five or six ways to eat your chili in Cincinnati that are different than any place else I had ever been before. So I think that does take a bit of time. And aside from that, of course, the corporate culture is just having somebody who can help you navigate that uh, no matter who you are. I am really curious about this idea of mentoring as a crutch. What did they mean by that? Right. So it was almost like the idea that if you were settled, had the right background, charismatic or whatever, you wouldn't have the issue that a mentor might need. And you would need someone if you were a minority or a woman to be more of a guide and to help you adapt. And that isn't even back in 2000, that was an outdated mentoring model. So we said, let's just have everyone have a mentor. They can have conversations on any type of question. We already knew that the military uh, hires that were at Proctor, they were connecting in through themselves. So we said, let's not make it be separate groups of associations. Let's have everyone have the ability to get meet up with a mentor. And based on the questions that they have, do the mentor match. So it was one big, ugly spreadsheet of matching mentors to mentees. But we did it. What was, Tina, it, this is uh, such a great way of like saying a crutch is still helpful, but it's like saying you're coming from a, a place that's not as strong and, and instead of like changing the language, therefore changing the perspective, you know, that like we're starting with strength and getting stronger. What were some of these early conversations like as you were forming the group, like as this like leadership of the mentoring initiative that was happening at PNG, like what was the first conversation like, you know, were you all on the phone? Were you in person? What were the ideas being thrown around? Like what was the biggest challenge? Do you remember any of that? I do. It was in person, a lot of coffee. <laughs> and it was questions such as, you know, what are the things that people find interesting? And does it have to be about work-life balance? And does it have to be about being a woman and being a mother at work? But are people having completely other conversations? And we heard from people things like, one of the things that's important is you're not allowed to have the same reporting line at Procter & Gamble. So as two people are a couple and start to progress in their career, one 
steps away from the function and goes into a different one. So there have been senior level couples where one person stayed in marketing and went the general manager route while the other person went into market research. I heard that in, in Europe. Another couple, they were both finance, and I'll name names. It was Lisa Sauer and John Miller. And if everyone remembers, John Miller is currently the CEO of Procter & Gamble, was previously the CFO, was before that the VP of finance for the division, and so Lisa changed into product supply so that she didn't have a chain of command that was similar. So that and navigating the fact that, yes, I actually have aggressive career goals and you don't have to think of me as one half of a couple, that was one of the things that people wanted to talk about. So it became a lot more about not fitting in, but a lot more about these are my goals, these are my priorities. How do I express them? I don't think we've ever talked about this on Augmenters, about how a mentoring relationship can be used to express yourself and that it's not just helping you move through an inflection point, but it's actually a way of you know, truly opening up to potentially within a larger organization, like where you want to go. Roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's like having tool. a Sherpa. Exactly. Communications Ooh, or a Sherpa. Sherpa. Because <laughs> a career you Sherpa. have a cross-matrix organization across 80 countries in seven divisions, functional responsibilities as well. It's a complicated uh, succession planning model. And if you are not in the, I want to go up the exact same career path that everyone has gone before you, you need to express that. You need to make sure that your appetite for international move is expressed so that you are considered for those roles. They're very useful for promotions in big multinationals. And if now's not the time, you also want to do that in a way that doesn't shut you down from a future opportunity because perhaps three, four years down the road is the perfect time for you. And if it's the perfect time for the business, someone needs to make that match. Tina, you're bringing together three supposedly tangential things such as Appetite, Cincinnati, and Skyline, or Sherpas, I mean. And we combine all those with the original Sherpa, Tenzing Norgay, who helped Edmund Hillary get the top of Mount Everest, which then brings us back to Skyline Chile, you know, arguably the number one food export out of Cincinnati. So I think we're really bringing it all together right here. Pro it always mentor. comes back to food. Well, and in that case, you have to mention Graters because Graters ice cream is something special in Cincinnati. Oh. I don't and know it. Graters Why is it with special? An it's just a little bit creamier and it's a it's a place that you go get ice cream even as a grown up. Like you you feel like a child all over again. I love it. Coming back to like the ability to express yourself within the mentoring relationship. If you needed to be potentially very uh, critical in your analysis or some people would say strategic of who your mentor might want to be, just like you're going to be doing that the same way as what role you're going to take on, so as you said, like going international or not. When the group came together to first start thinking about this mentoring experience at P&G, can you tell me a little bit more about like, was leading this group also part of a way to get ahead at P&G? Did that help people either purposefully or indirectly? It was, and we weren't even privy to it in the beginning. It turns out that mm. all of us that were on six different projects that all had a senior leader in finance were all in the top 20% of our group. So they were looking at what additional thinking, what additional team building, what additional needs did that level need, really by asking them, but not by asking them to fill out a survey, but by challenging them to improve upon something. So there were people improving processes inside of working in plants. There was us working on mentoring. 
and there were other people working on other projects that were as about just streamlining communication and making sure that the right people had access to, to information just because of the complexity of a size like Procter. It was really interesting. And for anyone that's listening and saying, well, that's all interesting and well and good if you're in a Fortune 500 company, a lot of what I just mentioned is what multi-time startup company employees do when they are working with VCs or change managers do when they're working with private equity companies where they get a trusted reputation. They are able to have those conversations about where do I add value? Where's the market going? How can everything come together? How can I put it together and a family? A lot of that is networking and a lot of that is mentorship. There's, and going further to that sponsorship, it's someone putting out their reputation together with your reputation to say, we can put this together and match it. Mentoring is one aspect of it where you get the input. The other one is when people stand up for you. And that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. You're what do you feel me. like in sort of more of the VC or the PE examples that you gave, what do you feel like they could learn from Procter & Gamble? What do you feel like Procter & Gamble could have learned from them? Like what are, what are some of those like key attributes that work really well in each of those two environments they could maybe trade off on? Yeah. So VCs is very much a uh, performance-based kind of a relationship. I think Procter could learn from that because sometimes Sometimes you get very focused on the person and the business and what's going on and you're, and you're not always thinking about just pure performance. Sometimes making sure that you have an athlete for later on, two, three years down the line, might be better. And the flip side is the discipline that Procter has at managing talent and understanding what they bring to the table beyond just the current title. Because the best part about having your career planning done in a company like Procter is that they think back through the last couple of roles that you've done so that experience that you had in the past doesn't become old experience. It just becomes part of your history. Which then brings us to your current role in a way where you are both using your international chops and all your experience of bringing people together through mentoring to then create, I'd say, more resilient workforces in some way with companies. How have you then applied uh, some of these insights you've learned along the way to this current company? And that's been more challenging maybe than you expected because it's not just international. You're actually bringing international to the U.S. and you're mentoring across organizations, not just within an organization. Exactly. Thank you for that question. The first thing is meet people where they are and they're human beings first. So getting to know them, getting to understand them, having conversations, I think that's the most important. One of the things that we do in order to get to the heart of the matter faster is self-assessments. And there's a couple that I really love. One is How to Fascinate by Sally Hogshead, which talks about your different strengths and combinations of strengths make you unique. And it was a great way to do that as a group of eight people and have people see that. And then every time someone that was new came in, we would go through all of our backgrounds. In I have to ask, I'm sorry, when you say uh, fascinate, is that why you have eight people in these groups? Because it's fascinate people instead of like ending <laughs> fascinate or something? That is fascinating. No, fascinating. And the funny thing is she actually has seven strengths. So she has a seven by seven square. So there's 49 different avatars that you can be but uh no i'm gonna have to add her, like ask her to add that well that just cool. i i wouldn't go up one number because then you're going to get to asinine and that's just that's a problem you know 
Exactly. Stay at the right level. And the other one that we do is human intelligence, which measures how your head, hand and heart operate. So what motivates you? What behaviors drive you? And how do you act in a group environment? And it allows us to kind of have one more shorthand conversation that we all share. And then I just pair people up for just the conversations. And then finally, where I cannot be the right resource, right? Like if I can't be the right mentor or coach for someone, because I definitely think of myself as the boss coach, I sometimes complement it with a coach. So I was fortunate in one of my later companies to have an executive coach. They're incredibly expensive at the high level. And there are excellent coaches that are just having their own practice. So I have actually gifted short coaching moments with an experienced coach to people who've worked for me so that they could work through specific issues that they might not want to tell me. And that maybe a mentor isn't quite the right right person to help them with. Because we always talk about, you know, as a mentor, a barrier people feel towards mentoring is that they're not always going to know what to say. They're not going to have all the answers. And generally, they can really just share mostly their experience as well as be, you know, a good listener and empathetic, et cetera. So I love that idea of you're going to need other people, right? You can't have, even if you have multiple mentors, they might not have that one skill and those tools that kind of help you get over the line. So I love that idea of augmenting your mentoring with coaching as well, especially when it's kind of a specific issue. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. And then the final thing that we've done is we're very fortunate to be one of the beta testers of a new company that came out of Techstars called Legacy Shift. So a lot of what ends up being awkward about the mentoring relationships in the beginning is matching people, whether it's a third party matching them or someone else. And then just the the drudgery of calendaring things. So legacy shift. I, I'm sorry, did I stop you? The drudgery of calendaring things. It's so it's true. So true. That's exactly the still way to describe not it. Great. Yeah, it just oh. it's it's terrible. And like Calendly is like a very beginning step to what we need in this world fast. I would actually say that HubSpot has the 2.0 calendar tool because it also ties into all of your contacts. And people immediately get put into your CRM if you go through uh, HubSpot. So that's that's my recommendation. But again, it's great for one person, but it's what? hard for multiple people. I think that's our challenge. You can't have like a bunch of people on your HubSpot calendar, note HubSpot. So Legacy Shift has a couple of different things that is uh, makes it easy. One, you know that everyone on there is willing to be a mentor. So you're not asking someone who's going to say no. However they say no. No, I don't have time. No, I don't have bandwidth. No, I don't think I'm strong enough to be a mentor. So they've all kind of thought about it and think that they have something to share. As a mentee, you can go through the calendars and see what fits. You put in your profile so you can, I'm not saying this is Tinder for mentees, but you can swipe through and see who has what types of experiences, what kind of questions you might have and solve that. And then what they've done for organizations is they've also done the one-to-many So there is ways for you to do a video chat. So if there's something that you are always asked about or, you know, that's like the story and people are like, oh, talk to John because John has this great story about something. You can record it and it can then be something that you watch. And if you think about today's generations, people watch Tina's talks. Yeah, I I think you're also talking about the experience Julie and I have had with Augmenters the podcast because we kept being asked the same questions and we were like, you know what? We should record it. (laughs) And make a podcast. Exactly. And you can reach so many more people quickly. Podcasts are fantastic. Not every mentor out there is going to have the chops to do this. Thank you, Jimmy and Julie. 
Um, but Legacy lets you just kind of quickly record a two to five minute video. Multiple people can see it. And it's kind of mentoring in the snack size pieces. And sometimes that's what you need, right? Sometimes you need just somebody that you can text and be like, this just happened. Is this normal? And you need someone to say, no, this is not normal. You shouldn't have to put up with it. Or yes, this is normal, but this is how you can get around it. The last thing that I would say, just because it's an honor, if someone ever thinks that you're worthy of doing it, is I have been a mentor in associations that place mentors, like just put a mentor roster together so that their accelerator founders can touch base with you or that your a social entrepreneurship team will be matched to you and paired to you. So I've had the fortune of mentoring the pro trash team through the Holt Prize, through their eight-week accelerator, and all through through Branch Food and through SKU. SKU is the CPG accelerator down in Texas. Yeah. Yes. Uh, shout out Branch Food and Lauren Abda because Lauren is also a Tufts University alum out of the Friedman School. And fun fact, I just had an hour meeting with Lauren right before we jumped on the, on the, on the call here to record the podcast. Awesome. And she is one of my favorite connectors. She connects people in multiple ways. She's amazing. Powerhouse. Absolute power. Love that. I did have an experience of living in China. And as we were talking, I was trying to remember any particular mentoring experience I could share. And I have one and it's a bit random. But when we moved there, my daughters were six and three. And they went to a school where there was only two Western families and the rest of the families were all Chinese and Korean. And when I arrived, they immediately believed that I knew everything there is to know about America, even though I live in Brooklyn, which I don't think qualifies me necessarily as a true American. So they would corner me. And they had a monthly coffee that they wanted me to come to to teach them about Halloween, to teach them about Girl Scouts, to teach them about Christmas, to teach them about like our traditions. And it was very funny because I don't, I'm not really like that kind of a person. I don't know that much about all these things. So I would kind of like have to study up and then I'd come and, you know, they'd all sit and listen to me with my like mentoring. And then they blew me away. I mean, the Christmas, everything they did was like a hundred million times better than I could have dreamt of. That was the only mentoring experience I had because at the time I was not working in a professional environment. So Tina, I'd love to hear like how, you know, as you're saying that it's a bit more of an apprenticeship or a bit more of like a formalized relationship. Did you have any of those experiences? So as a mentee, I did. It was very much a match made of someone that had done my job before. So it was, it was really focused 100% on tasks and skills with the kind of like icing on the cake was in case we struck up a relationship, a friendship and a mentoring relationship. So that was the apprenticeship part. The flip side of that is one of the things that Sweden does is they have an organization called Svea, Swedish Women's Education Association. And what they do is they keep the Swedish traditions alive. Now it's a little bit in a time warp. So we're keeping the traditions from like 10 and 20 and 30 years ago alive. So we literally bring experts who are 60 and 80 years old, who know how to do the weaving and who know how to do the old fashioned painting of the Dalla horses, put it together for Christmas. Now that you've mentioned Christmas, we struck that up. And and the cross stitch, the textile arts, all of that. But when you are new in the U.S. and there's chapters all over the world and all over the U.S., you don't know who to go to for a dentist or a doctor. And you definitely don't know about the insurance and all of these different things. It's so different in Sweden. Where to live, you know, the difference of being in one place versus another is a huge change in your schooling system and in your commute. 
you know, all of these things don't really happen in our very, very tight cities in Sweden. So that is one of the mentoring relationships that we have that is partly business. There's a whole business part of it. It's partly just living in this area. So there's, you know, people who've been here for 20, 30 years giving advice to others. It's partly connecting with the students that are at the different colleges in the area. So we, they are invited to certain holidays that are only Swedish. And, um, and finally, there's the big Christmas party with everyone swing, singing Swedish Christmas carols. So it allows people to kind of That like sounds way better in, than my like bad in. mentoring of Chinese Christmas. So I think you you definitely win for that. I bet that's a hundred times better. I love that. That's so great. What a great way to meet, like a, you said, a bunch of needs, like create community, create connections, uh, create the opportunity to mentor, not just kind of in a very business sense of, you know, it's kind of not quite the opposite of your Procter & Gamble experience, but right, the P&G one is very focused on, you know, career and, and communicating in the top and getting up. And then this one is very much about like, how do you live your life day in, day out? And what do you yep. need to be able to kind of get around in your community? So those are really great, uh, great examples. How fun. So cool. We have a lot of fun with it. Yes. Tina, I, I have a couple more rapid fire questions for you. I'd like to go through on mentoring. One of them that we call our no fly list are phrases or words specifically not to ask somebody who you might be uh, trying to begin a mentoring relationship with. Do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah, I think whenever someone starts with way too much flattery, uh, that that doesn't mm. that doesn't bode well. And then the other thing is timing. The funniest thing that often happens is right when you are organizing an event. So I used to help the MIT Enterprise Forum organize events, and I've helped out with mass innovation night. Right as you are trying to get the group together, someone wants to have that four minute conversation with you about being a mentor. Typing is everything. Gotcha. So this is immediate, almost like Rorschach test without the visuals because it's a podcast. So if I say the word mentor to you, what is the word that you would immediately think of? Well, I would think of a person. I would think of Peter Schmidt, my first mentor. But um, oh. I, I think of someone who is the great listener. Great listener. Okay. If I say mentee. I think of a sponge. I think of somebody who's like really willing to listen. And the mm. who is Abby. Abby. Okay. Shout out Abby. Shout wow. out Abby. Shout out Abby. <laughs> if I say sponsor, what would you say? So I would say thank you to the people who I would not have dared put down as a reference, but am thrilled to have heard that they provided a strong reference for me. I didn't think oh, I he like knew it. me well enough. Yeah, sponsors, thank you. I like it. Lastly, coach. That's someone who has the experience and are able to move you from the stage that you're at to the next stage. And they're really just helping you move one or two levels higher from where you're at at that moment. All right. Another question for you is, is you know, you've seen mentoring in a whole lot of different lo locations, organizations. If you can fast forward in your brain to 2050, what do you think in the future mentoring is going to be like? Yeah, I think we're going to take something from the past and bring it into the future. One of the things that I love is the idea of having a board of advisors, which is a range of perspectives, some male, some female, some in your function, some from other side, some in your company, some from the industry, but not your own company. And I think that in the future, you will have almost like a speed dial, like not Facebook and not text, but you will have like a little speed dial of, you know, I have this conversation and the people that might answer might know you personally or might not and just be 
familiar with the challenge that you have and be willing to give you a perspective. So I think if everyone is open to it, being able to accept assistance from wherever it comes, the technology can maybe help that happen so much faster. Because having the right help, having the right question to think about or having the right reframing will help you, especially for anyone that loves to overanalyze, which is a lot of the first people who are the mentees and ask for a mentor. They they analyze, right? There's the analytical people that do not have a ton of confidence that usually go ask for a mentor. And if you could just stop getting in your own head because someone asked you the right question or reframed the perspective to something different, I think we could get out of our own way that much faster. I love it. And I wish I had that speed dial because the last time I had a board of advisors, I was making a decision to launch a company, which eventually got acquired. And at the same time, also start my largest real estate project. And my board of advisors said, you're an idiot. Don't do that. And I only met with them once and I did it. And the real estate project did not go as well as I would have liked. And the company took a whole lot longer to get where I wanted to go. So, so you, so you should ask the board of advisors and then you I need to speed that. I had, to, I need to call to them more than once, but I had to meet in person <laughs> with them and it was hard because we got back to scheduling problems. The drudgery caught up with me. Uh, so on some fun, the calendar drudgery on, on something fun, Tina, to end on uh, for my questions, do you have like a line or a quote or maybe a turn of phrase in Spanish that you use almost as maybe like a mentoring mantra or something to that effect? I have one that I, I often say as just encouragement. I say tomo un poco because I had some Puerto Rican uh, colleagues when I was a young highway designer. And they would sometimes tell me that it's just like, get your work done, get some, get after it. And uh, I'm curious if you have maybe something as well. So I say this a lot, échale pichón. And it's very slang, but it means put some shoulder into it, put some effort into it. A lot of it is having that stick to in whatever you're doing. And then I've always thought, because you did ask me this question before and I had it in English, which is, so I, being Swedish, we're Vikings, we're a bit honest and direct and Latin Americans are a bit passionate. And that combination didn't always translate well in very polite Midwestern United States. So I had gotten, <laughs> I gotten two fees. That's a rough combo. It's a rough combo. <laughs> it's not as polite as it should be. So I got one, which is, it's from the PR person saying, it's not only what you say, but it's also what you don't say. Sometimes you don't say something and sometimes you avoid a phrase, right? And the other one is, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. So what I've learned is what not to say and how I say what I say is really something that I should keep at the very, very consciousness of what I do. Oh my gosh, Tina, this was so great. Thank you. I feel like we we got we covered a lot of ground. I think I loved how you just said kind of a meandering conversation in the different places that you land. And it's been amazing to get to know you a bit better. I feel like we were deep in sort of corporate mentoring and it was great to kind of catch some of those nuggets that you could use like across the board from startups to, to other organizations and then kind of that global perspective and um, yeah, it's been great to spend time with you. We definitely want to give your company another shout out. Tina, if you don't mind repeating the name of the company again and where to find you. Yeah, we are Samara Talent. It is the Greek word for day. We think it's a new day for talent and recruitment. So give us a call at Samara Talent. All right. Thank you so much, Tina. Now we got to remember, Julie, on no fly list, don't be obsequious. 
too much flattery is a problem. And sometimes I I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Actually, no, you can definitely get to where you're like, really? They're like, wow, you're so amazing at Excel. Like, no, I'm not. I feel flattery is just like gravy on my turkey. Spread it on. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a point when it's too much and it gets mushy. Exactly. The word of the day. Yeah. And when in doubt, as Tina said, and television Sean put some shoulder into it. And that works for Thanksgiving dinner and for relationships. Some pork shoulder? Not for you, Jimmy. <laughs> no, no, I'm out. Sick <laughs> pigs. That was a really wonderful conversation with Tina. In the breadth that she's able to touch on, I mean, going from being in Warsaw in 1989 before Fall of the Iron Curtain, traveling the world as an international executive, and yet spending time skiing in Vermont, everybody's life goals, love Vermont. The breadth that Tina brings is really amazing and her clients must feel very special to be able to have such assistance in Tina. Yeah. And going back to our forthcoming episodes, great advice. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. I did have the opportunity to meet Tina and she was one of those people who said, you know what, let me connect to this person, this person, this person. And you know, you're kind of like, okay, great. Hung up the phone within six minutes. I had three emails in my email, as promised, connecting me to the people that she wanted to connect me to, sending me the notes she wanted to send me. So Tina, huge shout out and really goals because I struggle sometimes to remember to do all the things I say I'm going to do. She really, really walks the walk. So anybody who has the opportunity to have her as a mentor is incredibly, incredibly lucky. Completely agree. And on top of that, Tina kind of nailed the question of how would you define mentoring in 2050, Mm. where she was basically saying, we're going to have three neural links each. And you're going to have a speed dial for three people. Your board of advisors will be instilled in you. And it'll almost be like a part of your ability to make decisions and cerebral analysis. I thought that was a very creative vision for where Should we start working on that. Is that Augmenters 3.0 is our tips in the brain? I think Elon's got enough going on right now. I don't know if we need to get involved with that, but I think it's definitely a place to put a survey stake and see if we start moving in that direction. I love that. And actually my request is that in 2050, your dog could also be part of that and could provide you with insights and comments. Although as adorable as my dog is, I don't know how bright he is. So I'm not sure exactly what he would share, but maybe a good advice for you, Julie, is to reframe the conversation around, do I need more naps? And the answer is yes. We'll have to interview him next time. With that, thank you, Tina. We hope this episode was brief yet bright, and now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.